know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Season Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, Podcast Land? This is just Jim and Joe of the Fan for All Seasons Podcast. And like I told you guys on our Thursday episode, we'll be doing a special Sunday night recording. This is episode 199 of the Fan for All Seasons Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk some college football, a little University of Georgia, some SEC football. We may talk some golf as well, maybe some college basketball. I mean, you never know what we'll be talking about on the Fan for All Seasons Podcast. We also will be talking some Atlanta Braves baseball and the heartbreak loss the Atlanta Falcons suffered yet again at the expense of just falconing and doing what they do best. But I will say the Falcons gave us a finish. And find out, guys, there's a stat that boggled my mind today, and the Falcons did something that they haven't done in over 32 years. Unbelievable. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But before we get into the sports conversation, it's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic original smoke barbecue catering. You can learn more georgesmoke.com. And so with me across the way this week on this Sunday night is the man, the myth, the legend, my co-hosting dad. Dad, what's up? Joe, great to be back on the fan for all seasons. I'm really exciting, excited about talking sports with you tonight and our guest. Uh, there's a lot going on in the fall. It's a great time of year, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And I think we'll have some good combo with our guest of the week this week. And we'll be bringing him on here in one sec. And fan for all season fans, we're back. We've connected with, we've connected with our guest of the week this week and it's a guy who's been on the show before and this guy was on earlier in the summer we were talking some golf with him and he was telling us about qualifying for the u.s senior open and he regaled us with some great stories and so i thought it'd be good to bring this guy on talk a little college football a little golf maybe some college basketball you never know is the man the myth the legend he's mr bill van orman bill how's it going wow i couldn't possibly live up to that introduction <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. Great to be with you again. Absolutely. And Bill, just to give you a little bit of insight, this is episode 199, so one away from 200. Wow. Unbelievable, huh? Yeah, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Big congrats to you for that. Th- thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, Bill, I thought we'd get the interview started with talking a little college football. And I want to get your thoughts on Georgia so far early on in the year. And, and so talk to me about the Bulldogs from what you see. Well, I I, I think yesterday uh, kind of got some confirmation on how good they are. Not just, you know, not just how bad they beat South Carolina, but Oregon really looked like, like their ranking of, I guess they were 11th when, when they played Georgia first uh, game of the year. And it was probably pretty close because they had a big win yesterday. So definitely, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, being an Alabama grad, I think for sure George is the number one team, probably have the best win of all the, say, top 10 teams or so. So they look really good and question marks with the offense and kind of some young guys on defense sure looks to me, at least at this point, to be a non-issue for sure. Well, Bill, one of the things that's happened in the first couple weeks here is we've seen a a number of really big upsets. Uh, What are your thoughts on... A lot of us look at when they schedule some of these games, you say, why are they doing it? And then you'll have
have somebody jump up and beat somebody they shouldn't or even scare somebody they shouldn't and then you start thinking well you know maybe this is pretty fun so i was just wondering where you came down on that i mean it's pretty amazing isn't it i mean to have all on the same saturday to see texas a&m lose to appalachian and notre dame loses to marshall and geez, I think georgia southern beat nebraska that's what it was that was the other one yeah i mean it's amazing I, you know it looks like this year my feeling is kind of like the top three maybe the alabama ohio state and georgia i think the, the, the notch below them to me is a pretty big jump. I think this could be one of those years where, you know, maybe excluding them, those three, you could have some pretty wild, almost feels like anybody could beat anybody at this point. Which, you know, I guess a little a little skewed in that, you know, there haven't been that many big conference matchups yet, which we'll get into now, you know, in the next few weeks. But but I think it's great. I mean, being an Alabama grad, I love to see Texas A&M lose, so I really love that one. But, uh, <laughs> It just it just it, it has that feeling where you know maybe maybe this year the playoff will see its first two lost team get a team that's kind of off the radar at this point that'll that'll jump in there. I think it'll I think it's good. I think it'll be exciting. What about uh, from your time in school? Was there one game where Alabama pulled an upset that just such a great feeling for you? It was really exciting. Well, it's interesting, guys, because I was at Alabama from '81 to '86, so I was there for Bear Bryant's last two years which weren't really great years. I mean, I think we were eight and four, eight, you know, eight and three, something like that, those two years. And then Ray Perkins came in and we had our first losing record, 30 years, and we lost to Auburn for the first time in 10, lost it. So I was probably there for the worst, maybe, you know, there five years. I was probably there for the worst five years of maybe ever, you know, in Alabama football, at least since Bear Bryant era, Bear Bryant era started. But the game that I'll remember the most was the Bo Jackson Ron way game you know they were they were favored and back then you know we played in legion field every year it wasn't a campus game we were supposed to lose that game and then they had that play right at the end of the game where Bo ran the wrong way and that was probably the game while i was in college that i remember the most you know having been there that uh because we back in those days we were underdogs a few times you know in those years i was there just because we weren't so good but i'll i'll never forget that game i definitely won't Okay, though, you brought something up which I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, the big thing in Athens now is the talk about maybe taking the Georgia-Florida game out of Jacksonville. Now, when you were at Alabama, were you still playing the majority of the home games in in Birmingham, or was that just the Auburn game? No, we, were play, we only played maybe two games a year in Tuscaloosa. We would play our homecoming game, which was generally a Southern Miss or a Vanderbilt or, you know, one of those kind of games, and then maybe one other, but no big conference game. They were all in, in Legion Field. So I don't think the campus games, I don't think the Auburn home and home started until about 92, and that may have been the same time that, that, the, that the campus stadium. But when I was there, that campus stadium only held 52,000, if I remember right. You know, now it's just about twice that size but so you know it was really an all-day affair for us you know we had to schlep up to Birmingham and, and it was a it was kind of an all-day affair to go to you know go to our games 
drive an hour to Birmingham, watch the game, drive an hour back. I kind of feel like I missed out a little bit. What obviously is a great experience playing, you know, playing those big games on campus. But yeah, that's a good memory. Yeah, we were still we were still Legion Field again, maybe two games a year in Tuscaloosa when I was there. And Bill, I want to get your thoughts on neutral site games in general. And so, where do you stand on like Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville, or Oklahoma, Texas, the Cotton Bowl? And so, what are your thoughts on neutral site games in college football? I kind of see both sides of it. I mean, I know from a recruiting standpoint how big it would be to have that game on campus every other year. I mean, that would probably be Georgia's premier recruiting weekend, which it probably still is in Jacksonville, but it's a little different when you, you know, when you get a game like that on campus. You know, I also see the history of playing it, and it's kind of maybe not equal. It's a little farther for the Georgia fans to go to Jacksonville than the Gainesville people to preferably. I would love to see it on campus. I would love to see those games on campus. I think it would add something, you know, to it, you know, maybe from a fan standpoint and from basically that recruiting standpoint and just still going to fill up no matter where it is. But I, I kind of would like to see the games see those games on, uh, on the campuses. What do you guys think? Well, we're kind of spoiled. Joe and I usually get to, to go down to Jacksonville, and once you get past the six hours in the car, it, it's really a lot of fun. <laughs> or, or also yeah. flying down. I, I've been fortunate to fly down once or twice. I know I'm a little younger than both of you, and I look at things from a traditionalist standpoint, and I see the value of a recruiting weekend with Georgia, Florida, but I also see it from the Georgia perspective of having to make the trip to Gainesville and that's something I don't really want to do and I I like the fact that it's in that it's in Jacksonville and I feel like college football is changing so much that there isn't much tradition left anymore I like the fact that there is that that there is the stadium where it's 50-50 one color and 50-50 another I just think that that's really cool in college football and especially like I said in a world of college football where I feel like everything that we know and hold dear from back in the day is changing oh that's for sure Boy, I mean, I, that is, for, in fairness, I've never been to the to the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville, and, and I'm just kind of looking at it the perspective of five years at Alabama having to schlep up to Birmingham for the game, <laughs> but I see it I see it both ways, and if it stayed the way it is, that would be fine, too, and I don't know. I mean, I, I the stuff I've read, if, you know, even though I know Kirby would like it to change, but it doesn't seem to me like there's been a real serious push to, to move, and it seems like not, especially not on Florida's end. I sure see that. You're right about the tradition. There, you know, there have been a lot of changes in college football for sure, haven't there? There have. And I was trying to explain to Joe that, you know, yesterday Oklahoma played Nebraska and if you're of a certain age you can remember some really classic great football games between those two. They haven't played hardly at all and, and certainly yesterday's game wasn't very competitive. But um, I remember Oklahoma Nebraska is just being war. You know, they, those two teams just, they never passed. They just ran it down each other's throat, and it was great football. Yeah, Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne and the wishbone. And yeah, in that game is always a must, you know, when they played. And I think I saw where it's only the second time they've played since 2008 or something like that. So, and obviously Nebraska's down at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think they made a bad move going to the Big Ten. I really do. I mean, I think they're kind of, it's hard for them to recruit against the Big Ten schools, the Ohio State's and Michigan, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up coaching there. I keep seeing that they're calling for Urban Meyer. I don't know if that'll happen, but 
but that's certainly one of the big, you know, one of the, what you would probably call one of the big five or ten rivalry games that you always look forward to watching over the years that's certainly gone away. You know, Texas, Texas A&M don't play anymore, although they will be. It's in the SEC, but kind of all part of what you guys said about, you know, so much of the tradition is, you know, some of the tradition is gone. That would be another good example of it for sure. And we played Clemson last year, but we went through a a number of years where the Georgia-Clemson played every year early in the schedule, and those were wars, and uh, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of buzz. It really is. It really is. I mean, you know, I guess guess as long as the SEC doesn't go to another conference game, I think it's good to have that big, you know, Power 5, you know, non-conference game. Uh, I saw where actually Georgia was scheduled to play Oklahoma in a home-and-home, right? And they had to cancel it because of, you know, because of their coming to the SEC. But I think those games early in the year are great. They kind of show you where you're at really fast before you get in the conference. Television loves them because they get big, big numbers. And I also think back, I mean, not only earlier this year with Georgia playing Oregon, but I think back to that Notre Dame, that Notre Dame trip, Dad, that you and I did back in 17. How, how big of a statement game that was for Georgia and how they were able to pull it out there in the end and win by one point. Right, right. That was huge. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, and it probably, it probably means more to Notre Dame, you know, being that they don't have, or I'm sorry, a conference championship game. So you'd say Georgia could probably absorb or an SEC could probably absorb one of those those power non-conference losses early in the year just because they're going to play a conference schedule that's tough and a conference championship game. But, you know, that game basically, you know, you almost think that game probably knocks Notre Dame out. It turned out they, I don't remember they got in that year year after but it's tough for them not being in a conference right it really is and so bill i wanted to ask you i know it's been a couple weeks since alabama texas what were your thoughts game and so where do you feel like alabama is going from here i thought it would be a good game i mean i just thought i mean i saw the point spread and what everybody was saying but i just thought it would be a good game and i'm a little worried about alabama i mean i think on offense he's having a little they're having a little trouble sort of with bryce young gelling with some of these young receivers, which obviously will get better. I mean, they're all really talented guys, and I guess that Louisville guy still hurt uh, the real burner. But the defense, kind of, the secondary, you know, they gave up a lot of big plays. I, I really think if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, the way he was throwing it around those first two possessions where he got hurt, might've, it might have been a blowout. Might've, they might have run off from Alabama a little. I think Alabama got a big call, which I think was clearly safety. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know, you know I know they called targeting instead of, and then found it wasn't but I mean I you know I have a little bit of a question mark with Alabama I think the offense will, will gel I think they got a good running game the line looks okay but then Bryce put it on his shoulders there at the end of that game with those you know that fourth quarter kind of kind of looked like the old Alabama offense from last year so I mean obviously I think they can put it together but you know I think they've been pretty shaky so far that game especially I mean they definitely they definitely I mean I think they should have lost that game I don't think the better team won that game that day, but uh, I think Alabama has, after next week, they have Vandy. If they go to Arkansas, then they have Texas A&M at home, and then they go to Tennessee. So I think that three weeks right there is we'll find out, you know, we'll find out a lot about, about Alabama and where they're going to go. So.
so they got to get better. What do you think about the the rest of the West? I mean, Arkansas every once in a while shows you, makes you think that they're for real. Uh, Texas A&M, I, as long as Jimbo's there, I, I'm always going to be looking for them to do something crazy, but, but there's certainly talent there. Uh, the Mississippi schools are, you got to show up and take them seriously, so that's a pretty good test that they're going to undergo go, running through the West there. It's pretty funny how it goes back and forth, does it? Because I, for probably the last three or four years, you know, they've said that the SEC West is probably the best division in Power 5 college football, but I think definitely this year it would be the East, right? It would either be the Big Ten Eastern with Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, or the SEC East, as good as Tennessee's looked, as good as Kentucky probably is, and Florida's you know, Florida's better. LSU's down. The team that, to me, the team that scares me the most right now in the SEC West is Ole Miss. I mean, they really look like they could put up some put up some points. So I'm glad they Alabama has A&M at home, and that, that that'll be a little revenge game for them. And Arkansas, I mean, I think they were down 17 nothing at half yesterday. So you know, they got it together. But you know, I know how highly ranked they are. But sometimes it's hard to hard to believe that at some point. But but to me, Ole Miss is the one that looks scary in the West. And to me, the East, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida, to me, looks better than the West. So funny how it kind of evens out at some point. Yeah, it, it does seem to swing back and forth. What are your thoughts about, you had Lane Kiffin coaching your offense for a number of years, and now he's moved on. He, he seems to be a lightning rod for controversy, but your thoughts about him as, as a coach? It's hard to argue with the results he's had. I mean, he's, he's still out spoken he basically is the guy that brought Nick I mean without I don't I think if Nick Saban hadn't brought him to Alabama I don't think I don't think the last four years or five years of Alabama's offense would be the way it is if Lane Kiffin hadn't come and sort of modernized it and, and, and brought him into the brought him into what's you know what's basically current now in college football offense so he's, he's still a little bit of a loose cannon I guess with some of the things he says but boy, I'll tell you what I mean he, I mean, that's a hard place to win. I mean, it's a hard place to recruit. It's a hard place to win, given on who, you know, who you're recruiting against in that SEC West. So, I mean, I give the guy all kinds of credit. I really do. I mean, I think uh, I think the guy's an amazing offensive coach, for sure. Um, you know, he seems to do more with less than almost anybody around. So, that, that game scares me. I think Alabama has to go to Oxford. So, that game, game, that game scares me. I don't know. Hopefully, he stays at Ole Miss. I don't know. I would think at some point he's going to be a name that big programs would probably come after at some point. So be interesting to see. Now, could you see him as Saban's replacement, or do you think they'd, they'd have to yeah, swallow hard to do that? I thought about that. I really have thought about that, and, and uh, geez, I don't know. I don't know. I, it would probably depend on, on kind of where they're at. Who knows when Saban's going to retire? I mean, if you listen to him, he's not, he's not anywhere near done. But I think if, if he's the best candidate out there, I think they would hire him. I, I really do. I think they would hire him. For sure. But it sure will be interesting. For sure, it will. Before we go, I do want to ask one quick basketball question. And yes, so, sir. what are your thoughts on Mike White, New George basketball? Well, I always like 
liked him. I mean, I always keep pretty close tabs on the basketball, and I always liked the way his Florida teams played. Always liked his demeanor. I always he's one of those guys that you know you never heard really anything bad about. So given what we've been through in Athens, as far as the basketball landscape, really since since Herrick left, I think it's a great hire. I really do. I mean, I think he's you know he's a proven coach, and I think he's done a great job. You know, given how late he got the job and keeping couple of the more talented guys on the roster from last year. Kendo was huge and bringing Bridges back and then the guys that he's got. I mean, I think for the first time, I think there's really a legitimate a legitimate reason to feel optimistic about this year that, you know, I, mean, I don't think they're going to win the SEC, but I think they can win some games and, and uh, you know, be a little bit more of an exciting team to watch. So I think I think it's a great hire. I totally agree with you. I think his background, I, I think it fits exactly what Josh Brooks and Georgia wanted. What they wanted was a proven guy who's been in the right. SEC. Mike White played in the SEC at Ole Miss. He knows what it takes in this league. And if he can ever unlock the recruiting hall and the recruiting pool in Atlanta, like I've been saying for years, I mean, even going back to like when I like first met you, Georgia basketball is, is a sleeping giant. It's just going to take somebody to wake it up. Well, that's a great point. You figure now he's in a recruiting, I mean, the recruiting environment he is in now is way better than what he had in Gainesville. So you're right. I mean, you know, with the number of players that come out of Georgia every year, and every year you see them go to Auburn and Kentucky and Alabama and this and that, if you get two of those guys every year, I mean, it's huge. So that's a really good point. Totally agree. The other thing about Mike White that I like is Mike White is a defensive coach. And I really enjoy watching good defense, especially on that side of the floor for Georgia. When the last few years, oh. we didn't really see a lot of defense the last couple of years. Totally agree. Totally agree. Absolutely. Well, Bill, thanks again for coming on, talking some college football and some college hoops with us as well. Always enjoy your insight and perspective. And we will have you on the pod again soon, sir. All right, guys. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you soon, huh? Very good. Thanks, Bill. Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. All right, guys. Thanks. Always enjoy it. Alright, so Dad, I thought that was a really good interview we did with our man Bill Van Orman talking all things SEC football and a little Georgia basketball in there as well. You knew I had to get some Georgia basketball in there with him. Yeah, you're you're always going to slide that in one way or the other. You know I have to. I know he's an <laughs> Alabama guy, but he is pretty connected with the Georgia basketball program. Right. So I had to talk some hoops, yeah. And we speaking of Georgia hoops, we got to give a shout out to his father. Yes. Bill Van Orman Sr., who is Mr. Georgia Basketball, right? Yeah. The, the one time we watched a game with him at a local establishment in Athens, he walks in and he goes, This isn't Stugby. <laughs> <laughs> and, I said, and I said, This is different, but it's the SEC tournament, man. And didn't Georgia win that game? They did, It was, but it was the night before the pandemic. You know, when everybody said, where were you in the pandemic hit? We were in Blind Pig Tavern with uh, the Van Ormans watching Georgia and beat Ole, beat Ole Miss. And, that, and then, was, that was, the music died. And then, remember, that was also Vince Carter's last NBA game. <laughs> there was no more basketball for a long time. For a long time. We had to watch ESPN Classic like it was, like, exciting. Yeah. And there were old games where you're like, I remember this. And I'm watching stuff from, like, 80s. Six and I'm like, <laughs> I'm enthralled. 
And I'm just like, this is awesome. But anyway, so jumping back to more modern times, Dad, we're going to flip things over. We're going to talk a little Atlanta Braves baseball. And so this weekend was an interesting weekend for the Braves. They swept the Phillies. There was a costly injury. What were your overall thoughts on the Braves weekend? Well, Joe, to me, coming into this series, we had the top four hitters in our batting order were ice cold. And that was really, uh, had led to a, some lethargic performance. Uh, the, the bottom of the order was hitting reasonably well, but the, the top four guys, uh, not so much. But Ronald Acuna seems to be busting out a little bit. And uh, I think he might be what ignites this team. If he if he starts hitting, you know, and then Swanson gets going, and then Austin Riley gets going, and if they ever get Matt Olson going. But, that, but that's really the key. I mean, when you get to October, it's not just some, what kind of season you had leading up to it is how hot are you at the moment last year the Braves had a very hot team heading into the playoffs we'll just have to see where they're at they certainly have the potential and uh, now getting back to Ozzy Albies how cruel that was you know he did this he's out for a long time he goes through this extensive rehab and he's sitting there watching a young kid come up and play great in his place so you know he was probably a little antsy to get going what the second game that he's back he injures his finger and he's out for the rest of the year that's that's tough to watch Joe it really is tough to watch I hated it and because Friday night Ozzy had the big double to get things rolling in that inning to help us hang on to beat the Phillies and he also had that nice play at second as well Friday night and I was like okay Ozzy's on the comeback Ozzy's on the comeback and then we're jumping around the TV, TV last night from football to the Braves and next thing we know we jump over to the Braves and Ozzy what was it? He dove in the second? Jammed his... Jammed his pinky. Done for the regular season. I hate that. That's awful. But but I will say the Braves are in a good spot. You know, you got Vaughn Grissom. He, he won't have to play the outfield now. He can just focus on second base. And Va- and Vaughn's been great. He's been he, great. He has been great. And we will uh, get to watch him mature and uh, for our eyes play some very meaningful games, you know, in prime time. And it'll be great to see, Joe. But but still, we would love to have had a healthy Aussie all He's, uh, play, you know, playing second base, switch hitting, and providing a spark. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Are you worried about Matt Olson? Joe, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's going to go up and down, and uh, he's been down for a while. So uh, if you believe in the reversion to the mean, um, he's due for a hot streak, and that would be great. And if he could carry it into the postseason, it would really be great. No, I, you know, our catchers are hitting. Our, uh, we've got a lot of... A positive things. Now the bullpen has to get sorted out and we've seen some signs from Kenley Jansen that maybe he's rounding in the form again. What do you think? And, and that is something we talked about on last week's pod with Tom with Tom Green and we were talking about Kenley and Tom were talking about Kenley and I was coming from the standpoint of I was worried about it. I mean Tom was also worried about it but Tom thought that Kenley was going to bounce back. I hope Kenley bounces back but you got Rossiel Iglesias back there who is just throwing seeds man. Well uh, Um, That's another example. I know he pitched for the Cincinnati Reds for a while, but before we got him, he had been pitching for the California Angels or the LA Angels, whatever they are. But you and I have always uh, teased, like especially like with Mike Trout and Otani, uh, you play for the Angels and you watch baseball from Atlanta. You don't see those guys much. So I wasn't really that familiar with Iglesias, but I, I am impressed and they do have him under contract for a couple more years. It's good to have a, a foundation you can build on as 
their young relief pitchers, with, you know, AJ, and you know, there's there's some strong arms in there. No doubt about it. A couple other brave things I want to talk to you about. What are your thoughts on this upcoming series with the Nationals? I know they're not very good, but they also took two of three from the Mets. I know that series was in Queens. How? What, what are your thoughts on this upcoming series with Washington? Well, I think you know the Braves are going to have to show up and play hard. I I don't think I think cruise control games are over now. You know we're in the middle of September. They got to they got to show up and play hard every night, and I think they will. Uh, but as I, I said earlier, it's a, really a function of getting hot and getting on a roll, which they certainly did last year. And uh, it would really be great to see that happen here. They could, if they get Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario and some of those people, you know, consistently going, that would help. The young guys, you don't know how they're going to react to the pressure games, but uh, Michael Harris has been terrific. Von Grissom has been terrific. And Spencer Strider has been terrific. And, and that, that really reflects well on the Braves and their scouting and development. Because to get the contribution they've got from those three players has been remarkable. What do you think? Can we just go ahead and give Michael Harris the rookie of the year right now? I'm, I'm I mean, all for it. Well, so I heard this debate on, on an Atlanta radio station. And they were saying, who would you give the rookie of the year to? Michael Harris or Spencer Strider? And I heard one guy say Spencer Strider and one guy say Michael Harris. I fall in the group of Michael Harris because he's there every day. And what he's doing, I mean, not to say that what Strider's doing isn't difficult because it is and to throw with the velocity that he does but Michael Harris is trying to hit a baseball at 100 miles an hour and that and for my money hitting a baseball against a major league pitcher is the hardest thing to do in sports I know people say playing quarterback in the NFL is the hardest thing to do but I would say hitting a baseball against a major league pitcher is one of the hardest things to do I wouldn't argue with that Um, but the the other thing about Michael Harris has been there the day for his first game we were shout out Steve Tchaikovsky and but we saw We've seen tremendous improvement in the outfield defense. Uh, He's a terrific center fielder and sort of stabilized things out there. And I'm very, very, uh, I want to go beyond just what he's done hitting. He's played great defense. And And his throwing arm is just, holy cow, does he have some kind of left arm. Again, I I know this is really high praise comparing him to Andrew Jones, but when I watch him out in center field, he just glides out like Andrew did back. that's really, that's really what it makes me think of. And I was a big fan of them extending him early. I know there's there's the thought of he's only done this for a small sample size. What this kid has done is really special. And like you said, I mean, where would the Braves be without Michael Harris? Yeah, they'd be in a world of hurt. I mean, think back. You know, who was playing Adam center Duvall. field? Adam Duvall. And, and if he got injured. He got injured? Who's playing center now? I, I don't know what they would be doing. They would have traded. They, they would have traded somebody. for somebody. But uh, Michael Harris has been terrific. And uh, to see the Braves play the way they've played this summer has been so much fun. I'm, I really enjoy uh, tuning in. No doubt. Okay, one, I swear, one last thing about the Braves. Spencer Strider made history today, striking out his 200th guy, 201st guy today against the Phillies. Thoughts on the Braves? Rookie pitcher, and how do you think he fits come the playoffs? Joe, I think he's he's been a tremendous surprise, a positive surprise, and I'm real, uh, very impressed with him, the way he handles his business. Obviously, has a great arm. I like his breaking ball a lot. 
lot, boy, if you go up there looking for a 100-mile-an-hour heater and he drops a 92-mile-an-hour slider on you. That's not fair. That's not fair. That is not fair. So now where does he fit in for the playoffs? I think that could be interesting. He could be a guy, depending on how many starters they need, he could be a guy who just finishes, uh, you know, comes in and pitches three or four innings, uh, which would be uh, a great contribution and take the burden off some of the rest of the bullpen because the biggest thing you want to avoid during the playoffs is burning out your bullpen and because he's stretched out and ready to go instead of the Braves having to bring in a different pitcher every inning they could bring him in in the sixth and let him pitch through the eighth and uh, the old fireman I really think he is the key to the Braves success as far as the bullpen because last year our bullpen was Matson, Minter, and Smith. I think you, I think if you throw Strider in there with how deep it is now, Iglesias, Matzik, Minter, McHugh, Strider. Yeah, it could really be serious. I mean, that, that could be really, really potent. That could be really potent. Okay, one last bit of topics here. We got to talk some Atlanta Falcons. Thoughts on the Rams game? Thoughts on the Rams game today? Lay well, it on us. I'm, I'm impressed by the fight in them because it looked like they could have just been blown completely out of the water. And to see him come back the way they did was encouraging. But both last week and this week, we, we had reached points in the game at the end where somebody just had to step up and make a play and they couldn't do it. You know, maybe that's what this season's going to be all about. Ifs and buts were Kenny and that's Well, somebody had, you know, and they have, you know, a second year tight end and a first year wide receiver and it's time. Certainly you don't expect young players like that to make the, the clutch play, but you got to give them the opportunity because let's face it, the, it's unlikely the Falcons are going to make the playoffs, but where we want to be at the end of the season is we want these guys to be seasoned to know where the, they stand where the you know how the game is played and what they have to do so I'm uh, I'm disappointed because it, it's hard to watch a team get that close and lose but on the other hand I'm impressed that they hung in there with two pretty good teams the the Saints and the Rams I mean it's honestly better than last week was for sure it definitely was gut-wrenching but the one thing I will take away from last week's game is seeing the way the defense flew around God, I haven't seen a Falcon team with four sacks or more since 2020 against the Vegas Raiders when the Falcons just obliterated Vegas at home in 2020. Mm. So I teased in the beginning of the pod deck a stat that the Falcons hadn't done since 1990. And that is the Falcons blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown the last time they did that, 1990. Yeah, that was before you were born. 509 games have passed since the last time the Atlanta Falcons have done that. Is that just not the most mind-boggling stat ever? No, that's, as I said, Ago, that's before you were born. I know. That's a long I time. I, but, um, and the best part about it, who scored the touchdown? An ex-Georgia Bulldog, Lorenzo Carter. And I will give props to the guy who blocked it, Mr. Troy Anderson, the rookie linebacker out of Montana State, which, as we all know, if you want to jump back to that past pod when I gave draft, draft grades and stuff like that, I was not a big fan of this. But, hey, hopefully Troy Anderson continues to show me something and continues to improve. Yeah, they need big plays and special teams they're going to be successful they they can't just they're not going to line up and blow people out physically they're going to need hustle points and that's a hustle point totally totally agree totally agree dad thank you so much for your insight and perspective on the Braves and the Falcons. Where do the Falcons go next week? They stay on the West Coast. They play at Seattle. So that's another 425, 
4.05 kickoff. I do like the 4 o'clock start time. I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of that. Because you can like, you know, get home from church or do what you need to do. And then it's football in late afternoon. It's nice. It's, it is a nice way to wrap up your Sunday, right? It, it is. It is. Okay. One one last thing. How just how insane is Brock Bowers for Georgia football? Well, Joe, uh, I'm a big Brock Bowers fan. Good Associated Credit Union. And he's he does our, he's our advertising uh, person. And he, he does a great job by, by focusing on what he does. He's just a, people talk about unicorns all the time, but he, he, there's no mold for him. He's so athletic and so fast and such a mismatch for so many people. Put a little guy with speed on him, he'll just break the tackle. If you put a big guy on him, he'll run right away from him. Uh, he's he's terrific. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what the future holds for him. He really is. I heard somebody ask Kirby Smart about this and Kirby compared it to how the game of basketball has developed and evolved over time. I mean, think about how the NBA and college is today. There are these 6'8 to 6'10 guys who are able to handle the ball be able to shoot from the outside and be able to do all, be able to do all that kind of stuff. And you think about how tight ends are now. And so back in the day, tight ends were just two yards in a cloud of dust and maybe run like a simple button hook. And now you're like designing your entire offense around like a tight end. And the way Bowers is, I mean, if you think back to like the first golden age of Georgia football in the 80s, like I, I don't see how a guy like Vince Dooley would have, would have utilized a guy like Brock Bowers. The game's just different, you know what I mean? And like what Bowers is, is basically what like wide receivers were in the 80s and in the 90s and even in the early 2000s. It, it really is special. And it's not just not just Brock, it's Darnell Washington too. It's, it, it's all the other great, you know, pass catchers George has. It really is special and fun to watch. I, I just had to get your quick thoughts on Mr. Brock Bowers. Well, I'm very impressed. I'm really glad he, he's the advertising voice for Associated Credit Union. Absolutely. Joe, I've just been made aware of something. That What's I'm that? Do uh, you realize that Robbie Grossman had a double early and drove in a run. That was the 90th RBI that the Braves have gotten from the number nine hole in the batting order. Do you realize there's 24 teams that haven't got that out of the cleanup spot? Holy smokes. Dad. 90 RBIs from the nine hole. That's, Dad, that's amazing. tremendous. That's amazing. And, and he's a guy that our man Tom Green and I were talking about last. Just how impressive Robbie Grossman's. Yeah. He's came been out money. Of, came out of nowhere. Came so. out of nowhere. Switch hitter. Daddy go up, give you some pop. I'm a big fan of Robbie. We're, we're big fans of all that, Joe. Big, big fan. At, at steady gloves, steady gloves, clutch bat, hits, clutch hits, and guys who are able to make big athletic touchdown catches and lead your offense. Dad, we could go on and on. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week, talking all things sports. You're the man, and I also want to give a big thanks to our guy Bill Van Orman as well. Guys, it's time to tell you about FanForAllSeasons.com. It's our website. You can go listen to our most recent episodes. With this episode, will be dropping tomorrow morning. So check that out. You can also go to our merchandise tab under the shop merch and you've got our alternate color shirts in black and white with the alternate logo. So that's really sweet. We also have it in tank tops as well. So check that out. And we also have our original uh, t-shirts as well. And the one last thing about fanforallseasons.com, you can check out the byline of how the podcast came to be. RG3 and I put this together. So check that out as well. Get your merchandise. Listen to, listen to your most recent episodes. That, that is the good of fanforallseasons.com. So check that out. And one last bit of business, guys. It's time to get a word from our sponsor. And Fan for All Seasons is brought to you in part by Georgia Smoke Barbecue, authentic, original smoked barbecue catering. You can learn more at georgiasmoke.com. So for my dad, our guy, Bill Van Orman, this has been Jamin Joe, and this has been another exciting installment of the Fan for All Seasons podcast. And we'll talk to you guys later this week. I'm working on episode number 200. It's hopefully going to go down later this week, so keep an ear out. Thanks. See ya!